we saw the vision of this game, which was have fun, use what you have, don't feel compelled to have to throw a bunch of money at a new game. Our thing here is play games. We want people to play games. Whether you're playing Starbreach or another game, play games because they're fun. We want you to play Starbreach, of course. Howdy, folks. You sci-fi geeks out there are going to really enjoy this episode. Ray talks with the owner of Slow Death Games about their new multiverse sci-fi tabletop skirmish game called Star Breach, and it just recently wrapped up a very successful Kickstarter. What I thought was really neat is you can use any sci-fi model, so it's not like a lot of other games where you had to buy just that company's models. You can use any science fiction models that are available or that you already have. There's 20 unique factions, and... Two to six players, so it's got a built-in more than two-player multiplayer mode, which uh, I thought was great. So uh, a lot of stuff packed in here. It's really neat to talk to the actual owner and designer of the game, and uh, as always, Ray does a good job. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. All right, what's going on, everybody? Ray here on the third floor, and today we have a special guest, the owner of Slow Death Games, Chris Kohler. Chris and Slow Death Games are based out in San Diego. He's the designer for the interesting and dynamic Wild in the Streets miniature games, which I recommend you check out. There's some cool thematics and miniatures happen there. But today... Today, we are here to talk about their most recent and very successful Kickstarter, Star Breach. Chris, welcome to the third floor. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into miniature gaming in general? Hey, Ray. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how I got into to miniature gaming is uh, it, in, the, uh, in the early 80s when I was a, a young teenager, I had discovered three things at the same time, gaming, skateboarding, and punk music, uh, and all three... <laughs> All three appealed to me in the same sort of way that it was like an outsider kind of thing and not in a way I wasn't conscious enough to understand that. Um, I just liked it because it was, hey, this is the kind of thing I can do and enjoy and I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. Um, So for the gaming part, um, obviously, I discovered Dungeons and Dragons first. Uh, From there, I found out there were miniatures uh, and then I found out there were games you could play with the miniatures. And so it's been awesome since then playing miniature games so did you play chain mail then uh no no everything was pretty much like a homebrew or historical thing oh okay yeah and i quickly discovered i hated the historicals <laughs> not because i hate not because i hated history sure. or the idea of the historicals i just didn't like the rigidness of it yeah they're pretty uh they're pretty crunchy all in all when it comes to like rule sets and what's happening oh yeah yeah i mean it was comparative like hey you know we could play with these you know, dragons and ogres, or we can worry about how much the wind is moving between turns in this Civil War game. So I was more interested in the uh, the dragons and ogres. Totally understand that there. Uh, well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. 
so what we're going to do is, uh, real quick, we're going to run down what we'll be covering today, and then we're going to kind of dive right into it. We have a bunch of questions for you. Really excited to hear about this, uh, about Star Breach. It's actually already being played in my local gaming store, so that's exciting. So for our normal listeners, nothing deviating from the norm here. We're going to go over the theme, what the setting is for Star Breach, how does it translate to the table. We'll talk about the pre-game setup, how are win conditions determined, how do you build your army, what decisions that there might be made before the game begins. Then we will go into the in-game, which is what makes the game unique, what cool mechanics are there, what kind of gameplay is in there, what makes the game tick, and why is it that you're going to want to be playing this game. And then the last thing, we're going to have an interesting situation for the hobby section. We'll talk about it more in detail later on, but this is pretty much a bring-your-own-model kind of scenario. Is that correct, Chris? That is correct. There are no miniatures that go with this. Uh, You could play with any sci-fi miniatures you want. All right. So we're definitely going to harp on that a little bit more. But for right now, let's go ahead and do a read from the Kickstarter page, which is just kind of like our summary of what Starbreach is, the elevator pitch from the website, so to speak. So Starbreach is a tabletop skirmish miniatures game with a sci-fi multiverse theme. Players can use any sci-fi models, build in customized warbands of 4 to 12 soldiers to do battle within any sci-fi setting of their imagining. There are 20 different factions for players to choose from in Starbreach, covering nearly every sci-fi motif imaginable. Players get to hobby and play with any miniatures they want to collect and customize without the traditional need to buy specific miniatures. So, wow. 20 different factions to start out here. And I took a look at these factions, everybody, and I gotta tell you, there is everything here. They are not exaggerating. From the sentient robot guardians known as the Ancient Machines, to the time-bending rogues known as the Continuum Syndicate, I mean, you're not wanting for flavor here, and it seems like the goal of this overall was just to capture the imagination and put it in on paper. What can you tell us about the overall thematical choices here, Chris? Well, um, our our author of the game, Elijah, uh, mm-hmm. he he put a lot of thought into all of the different uh, factions. Basically, thinking of it not as like an army list, but as an idea of an army list. So okay. you could take whatever you want. So if you've got a bunch of miniatures, you go, hey, I want these guys to be, you know, the, the plucky rebels who are going to fight against my friend's fascist empire. You look through the list and you go, oh, hey, you know, the resistance, that seems obvious. But my guys are actually a bunch of uh, time traveling heroes. So I'm going to use the continuous syndicate list instead. So the lists are ideas as opposed to or I guess flexible ideas as opposed to rigid ideas. Cool. Now, so, and so does that tr- theme translate to the table? I mean, do the mechanics for each of those factions feel unique or independent? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously some overlap. Um, there's always going to be overlap in sure. the game. But yeah, th- it definitely feels like each one is an independent list. Uh, because each list has uh, its own special rules, which when you hear special mm-hmm. rules, you think like, oh, great, special rules. Um, but it's, it's, they're just very, very minor special rules that give each, uh, each faction a little bit of flavor. So yeah, each, each faction does play differently. Okay, can you give us an example of like one of the sets of special rules that we might encounter in one of these factions? Uh, yeah, in the Legion of Man, uh, there is the ability to, uh, when your alpha comes up, when you use him, uh, you can make another guy shoot at the same time. So it's kind of like taking a, a, a shot out of turn. Oh, I got you. So it's like, you know, hey, you, you, you over here, I order you go do this thing. And then it happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. So if you have like a specialist or something like that or some kind of like high-powered sniper, you can kind of be like, you know what? I need you to really shoot this other guy over here. Please do that now. Exactly. All right, cool. And now you, with the flexibility that we have there, is can you mix multiple factions together? Is that is that a concept of thing or is that not really explored or what? 
No, no, no. It's not. It's not anything um, in the game. You just you pick your faction. You stick with your faction. Okay, cool. And then I'm assuming you do that, and we'll get into this a little bit more in the, in the next section. You do that with uh, the pregame. You just kind of say, "Hey, this is the faction I'm playing," and then bah. Yeah, yeah. You build your list based on your faction, and you bring it and play against your opponent. Okay, that's cool. And so, is is there continual development onto these themes? You mentioned that Elijah is the is the gentleman who. Uh, put all of this together, um, and he works for Slow Death Games, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, Elijah, we uh, we brought Elijah Kellogg on as a uh, consultant and rules writer. Okay. Uh, so he, he developed Starbreach, uh, right. and he's working on uh, an expansion of Starbreach currently. Oh, very nice. Uh, which, yeah, which will allow for co-op and solo play. Oh, um, I'm digging that. Yeah, so he's working on that now. Um, and he's also working on Starbreach. We're not going to change Starbreach at all, but you know, Sorry. there's always going to be constant things like, oh, we missed this, we got to change it, or we'd rather do this. Um, right now, Starbreach is pretty solid. There's no changes we're going to make, uh, but we are looking forward to that uh, solo and co-op expansion. Yeah, that sounds really cool, man. That's a, that's you know, I got to tell you, I've been the like the theme here, like the thematic concepts that you guys have here, like it really. Like, that's the f- initial draw there. Like, you you hear, like, hey, I can take any minis and I can, t- you know, there's 20 different faction types that I can choose from, from all kinds of sci-fi tropes, and throw them on the table. And, like, that's that's desirable, you know, as a minis war gamer. Yeah, yeah. So you can use whatever miniatures you have, um, and you can find a list for, for anything, pretty much. I mean, I, I haven't run across any sci-fi miniatures that we haven't been able to fit into some list. Um, wow. And... You're not so you're not constrained by okay. Well, we're going to play 40k, so you know we've got to use 40k armies, or we're going to play, you know, whatever game we've got to use their armies. Um, you could do like uh, there's a group in Arizona that's doing Dune with Starbreach, so they've all made oh, okay. Dune armies. Um, but you could also do something like, hey, I really like Dune, and you really like Doctor Who, so let's do Dune versus Doctor Who, and you could do it. It's funny you mention that because uh, a couple of the guys I talked to at my gaming store, like, that was kind of one of the things they said. It's like, yeah, I really want to have, like, Boba Fett and his bounty hunters. And then, like, you know, my buddy really wants to play Doctor Who and we get to play them together. And it's like, how do, how do you say no to that? Yeah, exactly. Or you can do, you know, like like the, the Dune guys in Arizona are doing, like, it's a pretty traditional kind of thing where they're all doing a Dune list. And so they're doing a campaign. Um, everybody's built some sort of... Uh, thing from either the first Dune book or one of the extended uh, universe of Dune books. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and they're they've got I think uh, I want to say they have like twelve players. I'm not sure how many exactly. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing really well with that, and it Starbreach is fit for that because they're like, oh hey, my idea of the Fremen are this, so I can use this list as opposed to if you like there was a Dune game, he's like, well here's what the Fremen are like. No matter what, this is what you get. Oh, that's very cool, man. Man, I, I got to, I'm digging this a lot. The sheer amount of flavor and craziness. It just feels like it's just, it's almost mind boggling, but like in a really, really good way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, uh, some people have difficulty wrapping their, their minds around it just because they're so used to being, uh, fed what gaming is. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I'm not, no, I'm no, not no, dismissing not. anybody's experience, but, um, you know, as gamers, a lot of us are super imaginative. And this gives you the ability to use that imagination as opposed to like, well, I really want to play this army, but I can't. So I guess I'll just play this one that I like the look of and paint them my own way. This is like you play the build the army you want, play the army you want. 
And, you know, it's like that. And the appeal to that is just astronomical because, like, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people in various war games, because I play, like, nine or ten different miniature games, um, and various people drift in and out of the each of the systems. And that's always one of those things. It's like, well, I really like this aesthetic, but I don't like those mechanics. And Starbreach just kind of, like, fixes that in one tidy package by just going, hey, we're going to give you thematics, and you pick how those thematics are going to look on the table. Yeah, exactly. Um, and with the, the variable army lists, you don't, you're not stuck with just one. Um, I'm kind of flighty like that. Like I jump around between lists all the time and not because I'm looking for an advantage or anything. I'm just like, Oh, I wonder how this army plays. I wonder how this one plays. Sure, I wonder yeah, how this will sure. So I, and it also gives my opponents something new to play against. So like, Oh, you know, like if I bring my, uh, my old space Marines, they're like, Oh, great. You're going to play Legion of Man. It's going to be the same game. <laughs> no, this time they're this thing. And, you know. And suddenly, and suddenly, it's a whole new ball game. Exactly, exactly. That's awesome, man. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to discuss some pregame action. And like, I think we've covered the thematic aspect of it pretty well. And if you like what you're hearing so far, stick around, because we're going to go into some of the mechanical aspects next. Coming up. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Now, there is an entire chapter of the Starbreach book called Scenario Logs, and it varies from two, to get this, six players. How crazy is that? Now, Chris, how does this work once you get to the table? Let's say it's you and a buddy. We're going we're gonna to keep this simple. I know that there's scenarios that go upwards of six, but the, like the bulk of the scenarios from what I saw were for two players. So you've got you, you've got a buddy, you've picked your two factions your your thematics you've got your models you get to the table what happens next uh you pick a scenario you set up you figure out what the uh goals are for the scenario and you play your game and then at the end of the game you total up your uh your points and see who won all right so are the wing so does that mean the win conditions are unique to each scenario in that case yes each each scenario uh well i don't want to say each scenario because some of them have kind of overlapping things but yeah they're pretty much unique can you give us an example? Um, well, my favorite one currently is the uh, the Met Graveyard, where it's it's not really a co op, uh, but there is a a basically a third or fourth person who's playing, who's basically the table, and there's a it's a Met Graveyard, and there's mechs that can go wild and attack you. Oh, yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah, so you're fighting against your opponents, and then you've got the added thing of, well, now we're in this mech graveyard, suddenly one is activated and goes wild. Okay. So is there is there a generic win condition that kind of applies across all of the scenarios? Sort of, yeah. I mean, you, you get points based on how much stuff you've killed, uh, but then there's also specific scenario things, like you have to do these things to win. So you can't just go in and table your opponent and go, oh, I win because I killed all your stuff if you didn't you know, take the objectives or, or do what was, what was necessary. So let's say both players like kind of accomplish all their objectives. Does that kind of become like the tiebreakers who was able to eliminate more of the opponent? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, that's cool. So then uh, are you setting up armies in response to this? Like, how are the armies and crews built? Do you Is it a beforehand thing, or do you come to the table ready to throw down? Like, what's... Yeah, you come to the table ready to throw down. So you say, like, hey, we're going to play uh, 120 points. Well, universe, universal credits is, is our name for the point. So you say, we're going to play 100, 120 UC. You build your army, uh, your 120 points, you bring it, and you play against your opponent's 120. Okay. And there's two different types of deployments, right? Like there's the, there's the standard kind of every game deployment, and then there's like an alternate style? Yes, yes. Uh, and then depending on the scenario, uh, there's different deployment for the different scenarios. Oh, like okay. There's one that, there's one that forces you to, to start uh, huddled up in a corner, so all of your models are touching in the corner. Oh, okay. So like almost like an emergency insertion where it's like we've literally just got on the field, and it's like, all right, now spread out and go do the things. Yeah, exactly. So you start kind of bunched up and then that kind of, you have to think beforehand, like, okay, who am I going to put in front of who? Uh, because, you know, they're going to be bunched up and I, I got to get out. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that. That's kind of, that's currently my favorite deployment just because it forces you to kind of think and doesn't really give you the luxury of like, well, I'm going to think about where I'm going to put things. You're just kind of like, I'm thrown on the table. Let's go battle. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Cause there's no, like, there's actual no tactical decision making for how you deploy. It's just literally here's group dudes, corner, go. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. I got to try that out now. Um, so uh, when we uh, did the read through, um, just continuing the kind of the, the force building thing, um, the average model count for side, I think was something like four to 12. Does that, is that faction variance or is that more how you build your list? It's, it's both. It's, uh, but it's mostly faction variants. Like the hunters are three to four models, um, all the way up to the hive, which you can easily get 12. Oh, okay. So kind of like, you know, your your to use the 40K phrasing, your you know, your Tyranid Swarms or Starcraft even, because we can do that here. Um, you yeah. get your Zergling Rush. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and But you're not forced to do that. Like, if you want to play the Hive, you're not forced to say, well, I got to take a bunch of cheap things. Oh, um, okay. It's, it's So um, it's just one of those things that it's an option. But yeah. if you want to go like elite Hive Tyrant monstrosities, you're good to go. Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, you're limited in the number of points you can take in specialists, um, but but that's it. I mean, other than that, you're fine. And you can only take one mech per side. Okay, and so for like a hive, with a, you know, if they may not necessarily have a mech, or maybe they do, because you know, it's your world to build here, right? Um, exactly. But it's so is that just kind of like a base size or like an intent declaration? Like, say, uh, I want to bring like a big stompy bot from War Machines and Hordes, and like you know, like let me bring my Kador stompy bot that's on a fifty mil base. Is that kind of does that stuff yeah, factor that would, into that? Yeah, that would be your mech. Uh, mechs can be up to uh, sixty mil base. Okay, and is that like the cap for the game is sixty mil? Yeah, and it's a twenty eight millimeter base, right? Is that's kind of where the squads yeah, uh, play around? Yeah, yeah, twenty eight to thirty two, or okay. actually twenty twenty five to thirty two. 25 to 32. Okay, so there's a yeah. good amount of variance there. Now, does yeah. it, so let's say you and your opponent are sitting there with a 25 mil, 
you've got a squad of 25 mil dudes, your opponent has a squad of 32 mil dudes. Is there like any kind of mechanical variance between that or? No, it's just the, the volume that your model takes up. It takes up that much volume of space. So you can think of it like, like you could put um, like, oh, uh, you know, I think that goblins uh, should be very tiny. You can do that. Or you can say, well, I think goblins should be really big. And so you could make some big goblins and put them on 32 millimeter bases. Okay. Or, or a horde of goblins and be like, this is like my one horde of goblins that is represented by this model, this unit type. Yeah, yeah. You can say, you know, my my one guy or, you know, in the in the rules, it says one guy, but I'm going to put, you know, three guys because they fit on there. So that counts as the one guy. Cool. That's really awesome. So the mechs are allowed in the game. You said there's only one that's allowed per game. Is is it point restricted or is it kind of like all mechs are the same cost? Or again, it kind of varies from faction to faction. Uh, it varies from faction to faction, um, but you're allowed to take one mech per side. Is there any kind of thought in the works for like doing like full mecha list type thing? Or is the game not really ba- uh, balanced for that? The game's not really balanced for that, but we highly encourage people to do their own thing. Um, so if you want to do like an entire side of mechs, then, then do it. I mean, if you and your opponent agree to it, do it. Nice. The whole point of playing games is to have fun. And, you know, we're, we don't want to tell you, oh, well, sorry, the rules say this. Like, use the rules as a baseline and make the game your own. I love that, man. That's, that's, that's magic to the years right there. So on that thought, like there's actually rules for campaigns in this, in Star Breach. Is that correct? There is rules for campaigns. Uh, it's they're not super detailed. I mean, they're detailed, but they're not super detailed. It's not down to the the minutia. Like, oh, this guy, you know, got hurt, and now his little finger, so he can't shoot a gun so well. Um, right. It's not that kind of minutia. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there are campaign rules, um, and uh, the campaign rules basically focus around your leader. Okay. So so think of it as you know that's you, that's your avatar in the game. And then the other guys are just kind of like there to help bulk up your force. Um, and of course, we encourage people to do things like, you know, name your guys and customize each model and stuff like that. Um, but it's not the kind of game where like, oh, I lost this guy. Well, now I'm screwed for the rest of the campaign because I lost my really good gun. I really like what I'm hearing, man. This is all shaping up into one cool experience on the tabletop. I think we need to dig into some to some real meat and potatoes here and hit some in-game mechanics. So I think we're going to do that. We're going to take a quick break right beforehand. DZ Leargard here, creator of the M3E Crew Builder app, and I'm a patron of Third Floor Wars because supporting great content creators like them is one of the best ways to help grow this game. So to join me and the other floorheads, go to patreon.com and search for Third Floor Wars, and we will see you there. So how much are three or four of these episodes worth to you a month? Third Floor Wars has a Patreon, and if you think they're worth a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month, swing by and become a patron. We have polls to decide the next episode of the pod, along with early releases of articles and podcasts. Everything we release goes out to everyone, but sometimes our patrons get a head start. The link is in the show notes, or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Thanks for the support. Special shout out to some of our newest patrons, Brian Bauer, Emil, James Doxey, Luke Athico, Shay Wallace, Michael Roper, Andre, and LaShawn Allen. Thanks to you and everybody else that helps support us. All right, and welcome back. And next up, it's time to talk table time and in-game concepts. You know, what really separates this game from other miniature games, at least mechanically speaking. 
So there looks to be three phases. There's an order dice phase, a special actions phase, and then the end phase with all the cleanup and such. Chris, do me a favor. Talk to me about these order dice, because that's not something you see very often. Like, it's it's kind of bolt action, kind of not. Yeah, it's it's pretty similar to bolt action, if you're familiar with bolt action and, and their order dice. Uh, you have one die for every model you have in your army, and so does your opponent. Uh, you want them to be the same size. You throw those into a bag, a cup, whatever, um, shake it up, and then you pull out one at a time. And if as the die comes out... If it's yours, one of your guys moves. If it's your opponent's, your opponent moves. Okay. And so the other thing is, is that there's also, uh, not necessarily for the specific, the dice that go into the bag, but there's dice that you use to kind of mark which order you're giving to each people's, right? Correct. Correct. There's, there's six different orders you can give to your, uh, to your model. Uh, and the dice that we make have the symbols on each of the sides. So as you as you do something, you put that die next to that model to recognize that he has moved or shot or done some sort of action, um, and then you pull out the next die and and go along. So the the dice the order dice are super handy to have, but they're by no means required. Um, you can do it with any standard six sided die. You could put you know colored marbles into a bag and use that to to determine who goes. It's just helpful, and then use a regular die next to it. Like you know, if I've moved, use the you know, that one, if I've shot, put down number three, that kind of stuff. Um, so the order dice are handy, but not required. Right. So, like, I mean, you could also just use tokens to represent the various orders, too, right? Like, if you just home home make your own tokens or whatever and just be like, sure. all right, this was my color, this is my color marble. I'm going to put that token there. This guy's about to shoot you in the face. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a note I noticed in, uh, in the rule book that says if you draw four orders in a row that are your orders, your opponent can just be like, all right, that's enough of your shenanigans. My turn. Correct. Okay, so so what was the determination? Do you know what the kind of the delineation between, like, hey, four orders is the cutoff versus, like, say, two or three? You know, Elijah and I have discussed that. Um, it's just a good number. Like, you know, you, you've gone three times now. You know, the next, the other person who hasn't gone gets to decide whether they want to go or you're going to go next. Okay. Um, basically that keeps you from like dominating the turn. Like, Oh, keep pulling my dice out. I'm just going to roll over you. Um, but sure. there's also sort of a strategic thing there where you can think like, well, I want to make him waste his dice. So I'm going to make him go that way. I've got a bunch of guys that can go at once. So I'm, you know, I'm setting him up to move all his dudes out. So they get shot or, right, right, right. or, you know, waste his, t- waste his turn. And then I'm going to have a bunch of guys who can jump on an objective or something. Okay. And so I think I misread this initially, and just just for my personal clarification, because I'm going to be playing the game of Star Breach. Spoiler alert! Um, so it's after. So when you draw the fourth order, if it was the same as the previous three, that's when this decision is made. Yeah, after after three in a row, the the other uh, uh, player gets to decide. Okay, cool. So that's a little bit different than what I, I thought. It was like after you've drawn four in a row, the fifth one. So that. That actually feels better, so I can kind of get where where that might have landed. Like, yeah, three is enough. Yeah, <laughs> you're done, buddy. Yeah. Um, are there any other abilities or skills that, like, in the various factions, that allow you to affect initiative, or is this just kind of like that's it right there? Well, you can do things like take a down order, where you pull a die out. Like, even though it's not your ter- not your turn, you pull a die out and give someone a down order, it makes it harder to shoot or or attack them. Um, oh, okay. And then that that you know that that takes that guy's turn. So right, done. but now they're harder. Now they're harder to like be. It's a, a defensive thing. It's like, yes, I have one less activation, but now when you try to shoot this, but this guy, you've got penalties. Exactly, or like the Legion of Man, where you can, you know, you can 
activate another guy who's next to your alpha so he can shoot too. So that's kind of an out of, out of order thing as well. So when you're resolving actions and stuff like that, what's the what's the mechanic we're using? Uh, you roll 2d6 and you add some modifiers. Every model has a stat called initiative, which is basically the most important stat that everything has. So if you're, like say I'm shooting your, your guy, uh, I roll 2d6, I add my initiative, you roll 2d6 and you add your initiative. And then we add any modifiers, like, is there cover? Am I higher ground? Um, are you walking wounded? Things like that. Whoever gets the higher number, they succeed. Then you, you take that number and you subtract it from their armor, and that's how many wounds that person takes. Is there a lot of, uh, to, to compensate for some, for some of the simplicity, a little bit of the spikiness, do, is armor and ablative wounds, is that kind of a fairly common thing? Or is it, again, depends on the faction? Yeah, it depends on the faction. Uh, most things have, you know, around five wounds. Uh, some have up to ten. Um, so it's not like you get hit once and like, well, that's it. That dude's there dead. There we go. Yeah. Um, and then armor is different uh, based on if you're a specialist, if you're an alpha, if you're just a regular uh, soldier or whatever. Um, so it's it kind of kind of varies. And we've we've kind of talked about this and haven't really gone into it because I wanted to wait for this section here. But each of the models, there you just kind of went over. There's four types of models, right? So you have your mechs, you have your alpha, which is kind of like your commander, your leader, your specialists, which are you know your specialists. I mean, for lack of a better phrase. And then you've got the the grunts, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and the grunts vary pretty widely. Okay. Again, there that thematic element coming in, just being like, this guy over here is completely different from this guy over here because this guy time travels and this guy's a bug. Exactly. All right, so to wrap up the order phase, you pull the dice from the bag, you go, you activate all your dudes, they get all their orders, and then once all, every model on the table is, has had its order removed, the bag is empty. Now we move on to the special actions phase, which works completely differently because there's no dice drawing. That's already done. You just kind of pick a dude and say, you're going to do your special action, and then you go back and forth. Exactly. And you start with who whoever didn't go first that turn, right? Correct. So what kind of special actions are there? Are they is it like a generic set of special actions? Yeah, it's a generic mo- yeah, there's only a couple of special actions you can do, and it's only your alpha and your specialists. Um and okay. there's a couple yeah, and there's a couple of things you can do. Um it's not like they can do everything they want. There's just a few things. Um so it's it kind of gives your alpha and your specialists like makes them feel more special, I guess is a good way to yeah, say. Yeah, more it. impacting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know, in some games, you're like, well, this guy's a lieutenant. So what does he do? Oh, he gets one extra shot, or he gets to fight one extra time in hand to hand, like that. And that's, you know, that's not that fun. I mean, even though it's kind of the same idea in in Starbridge, it makes it seem like it it happens at a different time. It's like, yeah, this guy activates again and does something, as opposed to just like, well, I'm rolling my bucket full of dice, I get to throw one more die in there. Yeah, and that's a very and you know, not to call it 40k, but calling out 40k does that a lot. Where like you have your squad of dudes and. Here's the squad sergeant. Well, what does he do better? He gets plus one attack when you roll your, you know, twenty dice. So now you roll twenty-one yeah. dice. And and not not to just call out forty k because I'm not calling out forty k. I consider myself a miniature gamer. I not I'm not a specific you know like one. I'm not a forty k gamer. I'm not a uh, bolt action gamer or whatever. I love miniature games of all types, and I can have fun playing with people as long as the person I'm playing with is a good opponent and fun and I like them as a person, I'll play any game you want. I'll play, you know, and people are like, oh, 40K, I'm so down on it. It's like, who cares? You know, if there's, if my opponent says, hey, dude, let's set up some 40K and play and have a fun afternoon, I'm all for that because that means I get to hang out with my friend. We get to have a good time. We get to play a game. We roll dice. doesn't matter what game it is. I'll play anything as long as I like my opponent. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm actually in the same boat. Like, funny enough, so calling myself out, uh, I just bought, 
uh, Chaos Space Marines because I'm finally going to Black Legion. Uh, specifically because I have a buddy that I play for this exact reason. It's like, I enjoy playing 40k when I have a good opponent that I enjoy playing against. And it's like, it's the same concept. It's like, we're all in this hobby, theoretically, to have a good time and have fun with your buddies. Exactly. Uh, Gaming is a social experience. It should be the kind of thing where you get together because you want to spend time with those people. Absolutely. 100% agree with you there. But we're diverging from the more important thing. Yeah, sorry. The more important thing, which is getting to shoot an extra time with your dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or do, or yeah, do something else to make to make it feel more special, and that's what that does. And then once the special action phase is over, then you move on to the end phase, which is you gather up all the dice, and you know if anybody's eliminated, you take their die out of the pool, throw them back into the into the uh, bag or cup or whatever you're using, and Get ready to start again. Uh, and also, there's some things that take place at the end of phase, like in certain scenarios, like, okay, at the end of the phase, if you do this, you score points. If you do this, you control this part of the board. Right. And that's all scenario dependent based on whatever correct. you chose to play that t- particular time. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Is there any like faction abilities that resolve in the end phase, or is that kind of more purely for like the mechanical scoring and such? Uh, no, no. It's, it, there's not. Uh, actually, maybe there are. I don't think there are any. I'm sorry. I, I'm drawing a blank if there are any that take place in the end phase. Um, yeah, sorry. With 20 factions, it's like... Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah, there's a lot to keep your head around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus playtesting new things like, like, oh, wait, is that in the rules yet? Oh, wait, no, no, it's not in the rules yet. Um, <laughs> well, we don't want to spoiler alert anything there. It's yeah. like we already got the goods by knowing there's a solo and a co-op coming. Yeah. So... How long? So how? So now we know how the turn basically you know goes about, and it seems like it, it goes fairly quick. So how long is the game supposed to last? I mean, on on average, of course, the more people you involve, the longer it's going to take. You know, we're going to be bantering back and forth, you know, trash talking like you do. But yeah. like on a standard one on one game, what are we kind of looking at here? Is the desired timetable uh, about an hour and a half for a standard game? Okay, that's not bad at all. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's assuming you're not you know yelling at each other across the table or you know. Doing, flipping, yeah. yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're just sitting, just just playing and focusing on the game, probably an hour and a half. But you know, you're looking hour and a half, two hours. It depends on how much you like to goof around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like I gotta tell you, like if once I start getting stuff on the table, it's like, it's gonna be craziness because I'm a I'm not only a war gamer, I'm a, I'm a uh, tabletop uh, uh, role playing gamer. So it's like you start getting some of this creative stuff on the table. I'm just going to be I'm going to be silly Billy. Oh, cool. Well, we've got one more thing to talk about, and it's probably the coolest, most defining aspect about Star Breach. And that's, you know, we've been we've been talking about this whole time so far. The models that you can bring. We're going to retouch on that. And like in the section where we're supposed to have been talking about it in the hobby section, when we get right back from this quick break. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business, and nobody has better quality and selection than Mats by Mars. They're waterproof, and they roll and unroll easily, and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. 
Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. All right, welcome back, everyone. Now, if you're familiar with the game Gaslands, then you're going to be really familiar with the concept we're about to discuss next. Or if you've been listening to this podcast because we can't shut up about it, Chris, why don't you tell us how much you need to invest into Starbreach model-wise? You're looking at roughly 4 to 12 models okay. per player. But you probably already have those models. So you probably you don't need to go out and buy anything. You can use the models you already have. Um, we've also got some players in some areas who are using things like uh, Green Army Men or really? chess pieces. Because it, yeah, because they don't necessarily have access to miniatures. So they're using whatever they have to play the game. So net cost, we're talking $0 here after you buy the book. Which, actually, the rules are free, right? You can get the, the free PDF, which has all of the basic rules you need to play. It doesn't have the campaign uh, stuff, uh, and it doesn't have any of the artwork, but it has all the rules you need to play. So you could play for free <laughs> with anything you've got. Uh, but for, the, for most gamers, uh, you're going to have miniatures around that either you're using for another game system or have been sitting on the shelf for a while. You pull out those models, you figure out what faction you're going to play, you stat them up, and you're ready to go. Or you're at a convention and you see some cool sculpts and you go, wow, those are really cool. I would never do anything with them. And now you got a reason to use them or reason to buy them. That, so for me, that is the number one cool, awesome aspect of this. Like the rules are cool. Don't get me wrong. The concepts that are being put forth, like with the sci-fi tropes and all that, I love that. Um, I, I already have what you guys need to do next. You need to do that for fantasy. Uh, <laughs> but um, that... Just being able to grab any model, any meeple, any token, any whatever that you and your opponent can agree on, you know, standees, what have you, and just say, hey, we've got rules, let's go. I've got my Imperial Army Legion of Man, and they want to go up against your, you know, artificial intelligence. Let's do this. Exactly. And that is exactly what we want people to do. We want people to think about things not necessarily as... This is exactly what you need, but use your imagination and bring what you want. So you could do Star Trek versus Star Wars, which seems to be a common uh, uh, geek fight. Like, which one's better? Well, put it on the table, find out. Um, <laughs> or, or you can use things that are... Um, I, I talked about this on another podcast previously. You could do like a scenario like you've got World War II guys, um, and you could mm -hmm. use whatever list you want for those, and then there's an alien invasion. So that would be a cool three-player scenario. Like you've got uh, oh. Americans versus the Germans, and then suddenly aliens come in, and there's a third player. And it's dude, I you just hit a niche I didn't even know existed because I'd forgotten about it. But Resistance, the old P PlayStation game, where that literally happened. It was like World War II and aliens invaded, and the whole point of the game was trying to figure out how to deal with it. It's like you know, I think like the axis kind of completely fell. It might have been World War One, but like that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the limit is your imagination, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, make, make what you want, make what your opponent wants. Um, and 
and just have fun. That's the whole point of gaming. Have fun. Right. And we, and so, and we talked about this a little bit earlier too, like this came up, like the whole concept of like, you know, having fun. And it's like gaming's about being, you know, like, especially nowadays, it's, it's all about like having a great time with, you know, people that you want to have fun with, like, you know, whether it be friends or just new people or like acquaintances at your gaming store, it's just all about getting together with whoever's going to, you know, basically not be a bad person and just have a good time. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's a big thing with slow death games is inclusiveness. Like we want, we want you to come play games with us. You know, as long as you're not a terrible person, come play games with us. If you're a terrible person, go play somewhere else. Um, but you know, if you're a decent human being, come play games with us. We'll have fun. We'll find something common. You know, even if we're completely different people, we'll find something we have in common, even if it's just gaming and we'll have a good time. 100% for you there. So do you have any plans for doing custom sculpts or miniatures? Or are you just kind of cool with just leaving it being like, hey, we've built it, come forth? Yeah, we're we're cool with just we've built it and come forth. Uh, we've talked about doing some miniatures, not like a full line of miniatures, but just like maybe something for a convention like, hey, we're doing, you know, we're going to be at Adepticon and we're going to have this cool miniature that our friend sculpted and it's going to be available and you could use it in your, your Starbreach uh, army list. Um, not okay. We'll be at Adepticon. We won't have any miniatures for Starbreach, just to make that clear. Um, that's just something. That's, that's just something that. But that's like a potential. Yeah, yeah, it's a potential. I mean, we're we're never going to say no to making miniatures. Um, and then there's always things like we could we could um, you know license out stuff like, hey, you know, my company makes miniatures. Can I say that you know this is compatible with Starbreach? And you know, we'll do stuff like that. Sure. And it's like, and this is fantastic for like you know the latest craze in miniature gaming in general. Uh, generally speaking for terrain, I would say, but also like Battletech, this is huge, is the 3D printing market. We're like just finding a really cool sculpt online, 3D sculpt online, and then getting that file and just printing your own mini and going, haha, this is my new Starbreach Alpha. Exactly, exactly. Um, I still think that 3D printing has a way to go before people are printing out entire armies or even uh, entire warbands, um, especially because, you know, resin printing is, is a little more difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean that's it. It'll it'll happen. People will do things like that, and they're yeah, probably it's getting there. Yeah, and you know, as I say that, there probably is somebody right now playing a game with their three D printed miniatures, um, or three D <laughs> printing some miniatures now. Going, yeah, I'm going to use this. I can't wait to to get it finished. Well, like I said, man, BattleTech is like there's a there's a BattleTech uh, BattleTech Facebook group I'm a part of uh, that my friend uh, introduced me to, and it's nothing but people posting. Um, I forget the file type that's required for, but it, it's the files for 3D printing for all kinds of crazy mechs and vehicles and, you know, all that type of jazz. And it's like, that may not necessarily be as relevant for, you know, Starbreach is like, you know, because it's kind of like the one mech only thing unless, you know, you all agree to play mechs. But that concept does exist out there. So it's like, it's just kind of like, it's a great way to be like, hey, I really like this. Or you have that Hero Forge mini. Or like you're saying, like that one convention mini that you've come across that just you really love the sculpt but have no place to use it. Here's your new home. Come to Slow Death Games, get Star Breach, and let's put it on the table. Exactly. And that is what we want people to do. We want people to just play with what they want. That is so, so cool. While it's not a hobby aspect of the miniature game per se, um, some, some miniature games have it more than others. Uh, I want to talk about terrain. So okay. it's not something we really talked about in the end game, and I wanted to kind of bring it up here in the hobby section because terrain is a huge hobby aspect for people, but it's not something that's necessarily 
Uh, I, 40k honestly I feel does the best job about like kind of like saying hey here's terrain that's official authorized terrain for or I guess games workshop sorry uh, that's here's official authorized terrain for our stuff and like obviously this is not something that's going to happen with Starbreach but how heavy is terrain in general for like the concepts like as far as rules and like actual actualization of it we've been talking a lot about the models and about the breadth of models that you can go out and get you can you can kind of do the same thing though with terrain though right yeah, yeah. And terrain is very important in the game. You need a lot of it. Okay. Um, it's not the kind of game where you put, you know, two hills down and like one building in the middle. You need a lot of terrain. Okay. Um, and like infinity games, levels or? Yeah, yeah. Like infinity level terrain. Okay. And, you know, either you have that much or you're at a game store that has that much. Just, you know, throw down a bunch of terrain because you don't want giant wide open areas because that makes it no fun for either player because then you're just like, well, I'm just going to stand here and shoot you from across the table. Right. Um, you want people to have to move in and, and do stuff. Um, Get that cover and, action going. Yeah, and shooting could be super deadly, so you want to be able to have, you know, some, some places where you can hide as you're advancing. Nice. All right, and then there's, there's also this cool thing in uh, the rules book. It's simply labeled as thematic elements. And it's just, it feels like it's just the freedom to get creative with terrain in general. So, like, there's rules for, like, all the various cover aspects of it, you know, which is why you, you know, like we just talked about, you want all that terrain down, prevent all those open shooting galleries. I I really dig the fact that it's kind of like, hey, like, if you want to put terrain down that's unique and weird and come up with crazy rules for it, we're fine as long as as your opponent agrees. Yeah, exactly. And you should do stuff like that. Like we encourage people to make up their own scenarios to, if they feel like something needs to be modified in some way, it's, it's your game, change it how you want to. Um, just as long as your opponent agrees and you guys are having fun, then do it. I love that, man. It's, it's a refreshing take to hear because like a lot of times, and so I run a lot, I've run into this a lot with a couple of the games we play currently, like Wild West Exodus and Malifo, where tightening of the rules is super important because they're trying to be like these hyper competitive games or I guess not so much in the sense of Wild West Exodus, but like definitely in Malifo, it's, it's, you know, we, uh, we at third floor wars, we run the pro tour for Malifo. And, um, so getting those rules dialed in properly for tournament play is so, so critical and so important. And it's a major thing that like weird looks to do as well with like the faction Raz. And then we're kind of on the other side of the coin here talking to star breach where it's like, the goal of the game is not necessarily to, you know, we want to have a competitive experience on the table, sure, but fun is the overall overwhelming factor here. We just want you to take minis and put them down. So having that flexibility to just be like, you know what? These two pieces of terrain, they're portals. How do they work? Um, you walk into it. <laughs> yeah, and you should do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you, you can make a game super competitive and you can worry about tournaments and things like that. Um, if that's your goal, that's fine. I mean, there's people who just want to play in tournaments. There's people who are very, very much sticklers for rules. Like it has to be written exactly as it is. And if it's not, then it doesn't exist. Um, we have a different philosophy. Our philosophy is you're there to have fun with your opponent. The rules are there. The rules are well written. Um, use them if you need to modify them modify them if you need to make up your own rules do it um if you don't like something don't use it as long as everyone agrees i mean it's a it's a blueprint for your game nice i love that and i've been saying that a lot that i feel like i'm a broken record here but it's really true though it's like everything that you're we've been talking about so far i absolutely do love and i'm i'm gonna really be dating myself here and i show my age but this is all killer no filler 
Like, it really is. And I can't tell you how excited I am to reach into my many, many bags of miniatures that I have. It's like, I've got miniatures that haven't seen the light of day in like a decade. And I'm excited again to be able to reach for them and put them back on the table. Yeah, and that's what we want people to do. We want people to be excited about the miniatures in their collection. And there are miniatures, all of us who are miniature gamers have miniatures that are sitting in a closet or in a a carry bag or in a box someplace that we don't use anymore because like, oh, well, this game I play, the rules change now. We can't use those or they're not as uh, good or, or, or there's, you know, new sculpts and these old ones are invalidated or whatever. You know, pull those out. Use those. I love that. Uh, again, I say it. it's a broken record, man. I can't stop. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's what we want. As, as, as Slow Death Games, the company, we want people to have fun. Um, you know, we're, we're not out to take over the world. We don't think that we're going to be a giant company anytime soon. Um, we, and we're happy with where we are, is making games that people like to play and seeing people have fun playing them. That's awesome, man. All right, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we're going to come back with our wrap-up and some parting words from Chris. Stay tuned. Howdy, folks. Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. Welcome back, everyone. So this is normally a pretty tough ask, but Chris, I think it's a pretty easy one for Starbreach. In the world of tabletop wargaming, there's just so much out there now. We're e- are, we are in the golden age of miniature gaming, and it's really kind of hard to carve a solid niche in the market with a quality game. But that's exactly what Starbreach is doing by saying, hey, take your minis you already own and play them in a new and unique way with other minis you may have, have sitting on your shelf. Am I incorrect in saying this? No, you're exactly correct. Um, we we made this game. Well, okay, I say we as 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 like I wrote it. Um, Elijah is the is the author, and he did all of the hard work. Uh, I just do the publishing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and the and the reason that that we brought Elijah on is because we saw the vision of this game, which was have fun, use what you have don't feel compelled to have to throw a bunch of money at a new game. Our thing here is play games. We want people to play games. Whether you're playing Starbreach or another game, play games because they're fun. We want you to play Starbreach, of course. And we make it easy for you to play Starbreach. We have a free PDF, so you can download it for free. You don't need the dice. They're just nice to have. You already have miniatures. Of course, if you want to support us, we want your support. Buy a book, buy dice, buy miniatures from uh, uh, new companies or old companies. You know, you don't really need an excuse to buy miniatures. No, you? not at all. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> I don't say that to me. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's our thing. Jump in, have fun, play our game. All right, that's putting a pretty nice bow on this. I really do appreciate your time there, sir. And I don't think anyone can walk away after listening to this podcast and not go, I have to at least try this. Yeah, and it's super easy to try. You've already got miniatures. Your your opponent already has miniatures. You can download the PDF. The the 
actual rules section of the PDF is about 20 pages. So it's not a, a huge amount of stuff to read. Yeah, easily digestible. Yes, yes. And it's a fun game, and you can get anybody to play because they have miniatures. So if you're at your game store and you're playing, and someone comes by your table and they go, hey, how come that guy has Space Marines and that guy has Stormtroopers from Star Wars? And you can say, hey, we're playing this game where you can use whatever you want. And they can go out and say, well, I've got my Infinity Miniatures in the car. Can you show me how to play if I bring them in? Um, it's also good for game stores because game stores sell so many different miniatures, not just you know 40K or uh, War Machine or whatever. They've got a bunch of stuff, and they go, hey, we got this book, and you can use it with the this whole wall full of miniatures that we have. That's a great point that I hadn't even thought about. But yeah, there's like, especially like when you're looking at things like, ah, those Warcry minis, those are really cool looking minis, but I'm never going to play Warcry. Well, hey, get them and play them in Starbreach now. Exactly. All right. That dude... It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you about this game, and I really hope that everyone listening is as excited to try out Starbreach as I am, because I am I am chomping at the bit, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, and it was great to talk to you. Like I, I had a lot of fun talking about Starbreach and just gaming in general. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other plugs that you want to do before we sign off today? I do have a few things. Um, we just finished our Kickstarter, uh, so the uh, physical books will be available uh soon from our website and in stores. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, search for Slow Death Games. You can also search for uh, Star Breach on Facebook. We have uh, two different groups there. Uh, we are on Instagram, Slow Death Games, and Star underscore Breach. And we also have a Discord server, but I'm not sure how you really talk about linking a Discord server. <laughs> I, I, uh, I actually don't know either. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, but you can find the Discord server on our, on our Facebook page. Uh, we've also got uh, web pages. You can go to solidithgames.com, uh, go to starbreach.com, and you can download the free PDF there. And if you want to buy the book and dice, you can go to slowdeathgames.com and look for the web store. Uh, we should have, we should be fulfilling the Kickstarter, uh, hopefully before summertime. Um, and we'll have books available for other people after that. Um, so until then you can download the free PDF or you can buy the deluxe PDF, which adds the campaign rules and all that other stuff. And that is available at uh, solidifgames.com. Thank you very much. Again, I really appreciate your time. Chris this has been an absolute blast. And uh, this, I feel like it's the fifth time I've said it in like the last 10 minutes, but I cannot wait to get some time with this rule set. Uh, especially because, like I said, I already have a bunch of people at my local game store that are interested, so it's not going to be hard to convince everyone. Awesome. I'm excited for you to play, too, and I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, pictures that you're going to post online of your games. Oh, absolutely, man. Because Just because I want to watch people twitch, if nothing else, and go, wait, why are those five game systems all on the same side? Yeah. All right. As always, everyone, please like and subscribe if you enjoyed our content today or consider supporting us on Patreon to get early access to all our podcasts and more. You can find us on Facebook or at thirdfloorwars.com. You can also find this podcast and many more on any of your favorite streaming services. Heads up for some future episodes. We're starting up our new Solo Tactica podcast series where I will be discussing and answering your Malifaux questions and some other general wargaming questions as well. But being the patrons of the U.S. FOTOR, uh, we definitely want to keep it a little bit more Malifaux-centric, but we'll touch on just general gaming rules, etiquette, and such like that as well. So feel free to send in those questions to tabletoptalk at thirdfloorwars.com. That's tabletoptalk, all one word. 
and uh, just leave the subject line as questions. And you can either leave that as a MP3 or you can just type it out if you don't want to send us a voice recorded message. This has been Ray. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on The Third Floor. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. Howdy, friend. Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes.